Welcome to Mox on the Mic, your exclusive look into all things Chattanooga athletics. Here's your host, Chris Goforth. Welcome in this week to Mox on the Mic. We are turning our attention to the mat, but we're going to talk to a couple of Hall of Famers today. Of course, the uh, Hall of Fame class, the latest Hall of Fame class for Chattanooga athletics has been announced, and those guys are are getting their opportunity to, to receive that Tremendous honor and a couple of wrestlers in this year's Hall of Fame class. And we're going to talk with all of the inductees here over the next couple of months. But we wanted to start with a couple of wrestlers. Uh, John Feldhacker, who wrestled here at Chattanooga from 1982 to 1985. And also Ethan Reeve, who was the uh, wrestling coach for the Mox from 1985 to to 1990 we're going to visit with both of those guys today let's start with ethan reeve uh a absolute uh really a joy to get a chance to meet and and talk with coach reeve and hear his days of how he got into wrestling and how he ended up being the head coach of the chattanooga mox here's our conversation with ethan reeve now a chattanooga hall of famer on mox on the mic well ethan let's just hop right into things um first off congratulations on being inducted into the uh, the Chattanooga Hall of Fame, tell us who all is uh, who all's coming to town with you for the uh, for the induction. Well, uh, I've we had we had invited uh, fifteen people, and so I couldn't invite my wrestlers, so we put it out there for all the wrestlers to come in and stuff. But uh, of course, all my children were coming into town. My high school workout partners, some college workout partners, and a a few other people there invited. When did the love of wrestling kind of take hold with you? You know, I told this, tell the story, uh, about, you know, when I was on the playground in the fourth grade and the sixth graders were in there about the same time that we had recess and the sixth graders would always pick on the fourth graders. Well, I didn't want anybody to pick on me. So I had a, I had a really good chokehold. And I would uh, jump behind him and bring him to the ground and I would choke him and they would be screaming and stuff. And I would go in and get my paddlings for the day, you know, when they, you know, cause the, the principal is going to paddle me for doing this, but I had that chokehold. And when I got in the seventh grade, the ninth graders were, had started wrestling. I'm in the seventh grade. And uh, they told the coach, you have got to get this guy out for wrestling. So, uh, that's what I did. I came out for wrestling and I just fell in love with it. I, I was big into track and the football and basketball, but when I felt, you know, when I got into wrestling, I just felt it's my home. So how did coaching come about? The coaching was, uh, you know, my mother was a teacher and, uh, she, you know, my dad died when we were very young. She raised five children by herself. And then what, what happened was uh, she went back to school, got her undergrad degree, and then she ended up getting three master's degrees in education. And, uh, and I said, this is my role model. So, and my male role models are always teachers and coaches. And so I said, at an early age, I knew that I was going to be a teacher, coach, that sort of thing. And, of course, my sport was wrestling. Is your mom still with us? She is not with us. No. What would she, what would she say about you uh, going into the Hall of Fame? She'd be very proud of me. Don't, don't get me started on this with my mother, you know. But uh, she'd be very proud of me. 
you know, she, she, uh, her last days of life were, was still trying to help people, trying to help ch children and stuff, trying to help the kids. How'd you end up at UTC? Well, I was, um, you know, I wrestled at the University of Tennessee in Knoxville, and then I went, uh, and I, during my 20s, I coached at uh, my old high school for one year, but then I went back, and I my thing was to learn from uh, uh, different uh, wrestling coaches. So I went to Oklahoma State, I went to Ohio University, I went to Clemson, I, was, I had a stint back in high school in Florida, and uh, when I got to Clemson, I was there, and I, I really liked it. Uh, being the assistant uh, wrestling coach there. And I got a call from Jim Morgan, the legend, Jim Morgan, the great wrestling coach here at UTC. He called me up and uh, wanted to talk to me. And I talked to him and I came up and, and I won the job. And uh, it's been, it was a six years, most impactful six years of my life, you know, with uh, coming to UTC and working with uh, the guys on the team and stuff. But uh, yeah, you know, I just, it was, that's how it happened. I was very fortunate that uh, maybe somebody was ahead of me and turned the job down. I don't know. But anyway, it fell in my lap and uh, I never looked back. You know, here's where I met my wife and we had three of our children here in Chattanooga. And uh, we we came back a few years ago with after I left uh, Wake Forest. And and then uh, Heath Esslinger brought me in, and I was kind of a mentor to wrestling at that time. Then I got into be the, the director of strength for a couple of years, and it it was it was great to be back. And then we just decided this year that we were going to retire here, so we lived downtown, you know, right by the the Walnut Street Bridge, and uh, just loved the area and loved the people here in Chattanooga. Tell me a little bit about your travels early on as an assistant, Oklahoma State, Clemson, Ohio, some of the stops that you made. You said you wanted to learn uh, from different coaches. Out of those stops, who had the biggest impact on you? Well, uh, th there were two really good strength coaches, I mean, wrestling coaches at, uh, at Oklahoma State. First of all, uh, Oklahoma State has probably the most history of wrestling of any of them. They had two very good, a uh, guy named Ed Gallagher was the first uh, wrestling coach back in the 1920s. And he, 19-teens maybe, and he, he was a physical education teacher and a track athlete. And, then the, and he never really wrestled, but he was a great wrestling coach. Uh, they, they were into the science of wrestling, brought anatomy, kinesiology, physiology, and really studied the sport. And the next uh, guy was uh, Coach Griffith, and he was a high school biology teacher, and he had great success. But the guy following him was uh, one of my mentors, uh, uh, Myron Roderick. And Myron Roderick was a three-time national champion. And at that time, he was in Stillwater, Oklahoma, so I would meet him on Saturdays and Sundays and uh, get on the mat with him and learn wrestling and his techniques and philosophies and principles and that sort of thing. Uh, and, but I also was there for Tommy uh, Chesbro. Tommy Chesbro was a wrestling coach. And we had guys that ended up being Olympic champions and All-Americans and national champions there. And I was just I was just there for about a year or so. But it was a, a great year. I learned a lot. And then I went on to Ohio University uh, after that. How has the sport changed from when you first became the head coach here at, at Chattanooga? That the mid eighties, late eighties, 
early nineties till now, how has wrestling changed over the last say 35, 36 years? Uh, you know, uh, I, th I think the guys are pretty good athletes. I think strength and conditioning has helped a great deal, but, uh, back in our days, uh, technique was very important and mastering the, the mastering basic techniques was very important. Offense, defense, top work, bottom work, that sort of thing. We mastered, we, it was that we would do thousands and thousands and thousands of repetitions in order to master the skill of the sport. Uh, the guys, uh, not it's coming. I think it's coming back because it always goes back in cycles, but for quite a few years, it was a lot of getting out of position. We would never, we would never give up position back in those days as back. The, I'm going back to the fifties, sixties, seventies, and eighties. You just always fought to keep in good position because these guys are so athletic, they could get out of position and recover and, 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 and make moves and, and score points and stuff. But ours was to maintain, always maintain good position. And that would be probably one of the biggest things that I've seen is uh, the mastering of technique and good, uh, solid uh, basics. You know, anytime we talk about Chattanooga wrestling here, mm -hmm. I always bring up the wrestling alumni. Because those guys, even today, when I go watch Mox wrestling, the alumni are there. Those guys are still involved. They care. I think they are the most dedicated group of alumni of all of our sports here in Chattanooga, honestly. Uh, yeah. Your thoughts on those guys, both when you were a head coach, now that mm -hmm. you're kind of removed from it, what do those guys mean to the program? Well, you know, uh, there were two things. I, I want to say this. There are two things that I learned uh, from the sport of wrestling. The first one I learned early on my very first wrestling match. And that was, uh, I'm, I step out on the mat. And there's a guy in front of me. I shake hands. There's a referee in front of us. And I realized in that very first match, there's only one way for me to walk off this mat, have my hand raised before I walk off this mat. I've got to beat this guy up. It was as simple as, as that. You have to be a fighter. You have to be tough. The second thing I learned, and this is just as equally important or more so, is you can't be a champion by yourself. It, you know, that term that takes a village or a family is what's going to win for you. You've got to have good workout partners, good training partners in the room. You have to have good coaches, uh, parents that care about you, you know, all the different things you do not do this by yourself. So wrestling is, in my opinion, one of the ultimate team sports, and it is not an individual sport. And the old timers, when I got on the campus, they, they came to visit me and talk to me and help me in any way. We could not have had the success that we had in the 1980s without the old timers. And my guys during the 80s realized that and what they what those guys did in the 80s and those early 90s, uh, what happens, those guys have stayed with the old timers and they're here to help uh, UTC wrestling in any way they can. Uh, but, we, you know, those guys, if I wanted a floor built under the wrestling mat, they built me a floor. I wanted a sauna put in. I went, we needed weights. We did whatever I wanted. I, I, I had needed to have 10, 20-foot uh, ropes. They were going to do that. We They, they uh, 
put names on the walls for us and and you know all the with all the conference champions all americans national champions on the wall they they would help me in any way that they could i mean you know travel money anything they were there to help so i owe those guys a great deal and my guys during the 80s are now part of that group and to carry on this legacy to help uh utc wrestling yeah, I think it's really neat how it gets handed down, so to speak, from, you know, from literally from one class to the next. Mm-hmm. Uh, once you leave as a wrestler, you understand, you understand what's what's expected of you uh, going forward. I, I just think that is a an incredible brotherhood that that gets built by by those guys. Well, you, you know, I'll give you, I'm going to give you some, I'll give you a little bit of what happened in the life of a wrestler. I'm, and I'm going to give you just that uh, two hours, hour and a half, whatever time we spent in, in that, in that wrestling room, the guys that we had our wrestling uh, room, which held two full-size mats. All right. Those guys would walk from the locker room down the hallway, come around and they had two double doors. They'd walk in, they bowed in. When they came in and they bowed out before they left. And anytime we go get water, whatever, they had to bow out. They had to bow back in. It was a matter of, uh, it was a matter of respect for the sport. And on the back side of the wall where they would bow in, there were, there were uh, columns with 118 pound weight class, 126, whatever. And they had all the champions, the conference champions. It would have all Americans, a national channel, whatever was on that wall. So when they would bow in, they would see those names. And anytime that we uh, had uh, demonstrations for techniques, we'd have a demonstration, I always made sure my back was to the wall so they would look at me, but also they could see the names on the wall and imagine their names on the wall. And that was a big thing for us. So they had, we wanted to make sure they had great respect for the champions of the past. But I want to say this, uh, the guys that helped us win, we, we only had four scholarships in wrestling, but we had 48 guys out for the team. And we never dropped. After that first year, we never dropped below 43 guys. So there were guys, there were only 10 guys, uh, 10 weight classes. So those guys that did not wrestle and did not get scholarship would stay with us for four and five years. And they want to be a part of that team. They want to be in that where that work ethic that we had and that uh, to be a part of that, that family and to care about one another. Those guys are still part of us in the old timers clubs. So they're, they're there to help us. And so, you know, I just want to, it was not, that was not easy. I mean, I look, I, I worked the fire out of those guys uh, and we got them to master the technique, but we would climb those, uh, uh, 20 foot ropes, no legs used. And we would climb all the way to the top and all the way down. The first thing that hits the mat better be your rear end or you're going to have to do another one. Uh, we would do a hundred chin-ups every day. Uh, you know, we do 50 to hundred dips every day. We had this, we had this, we had the first four uh, glute hams uh, machines that were made and we had them in a corner. Old timers bought those for us. And I would be there at two 30 in the afternoon they would come in and they had to get a hundred of those glued ham raises uh, before we started practice at three o'clock. And this was every day. These guys, these guys worked. We, we were there to get them better. And uh, they were very, very hard. 
And, uh, you know, that's why they were champions. But they were fighters, too. It wasn't just, you know, of course, sometimes they fought more than in the wrestling room. But, you know, <laughs> but it was, uh, yeah, I was always down at D. McDougall's uh, office, you know, for something a wrestler had done. But these were good kids. And they worked hard. They cared about UTC. They cared about each other. And they cared about the sport of wrestling. And they're still, they still care and they're still giving back. 1987, you finished with a 15 and one record. You were ranked at one point in time as high as number 12 in the nation. Was that the best group that you had during your tenure here? I think it was, I think 87, 88, we went up to, uh, I think we went to, uh, up to Ohio state. We had a try meet with Ohio state and Michigan. Michigan was ranked number two. And I think, uh, Ohio state was ranked number eight and we tied Ohio state. Uh, we lost by, I think five points, maybe to, uh, to Michigan who was ranked number one or two, but they also, they beat Iowa by more points than they beat us. Our guys were tough. We, I mean, we were, we were a very tough team uh, and, and they were good fighters and they, they, I mean, they just, they were tough kids, you know, hard workers and it, but it was about that time, you know, it takes you, you know, just like in football today, you know, you see these uh, football coaches, it takes about two years before you start really seeing it coming around, but about four years, it's really starting to, take hold uh, with good coaches in any sport. And, you know, just like I think it's happening with football here, it's starting to come in. Uh, football's starting to take hold again, and they'll win. And I think it'll happen with wrestling as well. When you think back on your time here from 1985 to, to 1990, is there a match, a meet? What, what do you remember the most? Is there one significant moment? for you that that stands out from your time here no you know i look you know i i I tell you every day was important for me and we would have those we would have goals that uh, you know every these guys would hear me say this a hundred times every practice i was southern conference champions 1986 southern conference champions 1987 whatever it was but i want i wanted to think about that but what was the most important thing is giving the best effort that you did that you could give in that moment, you know. And I and I I tell us the uh, tiger and the strawberry story. Basically, it's uh, where a guy's walking in the field and uh, he comes upon a tiger and the tiger and the man lock eyes and uh, the tiger begins to give chase. The man goes and he's running for his life. And he's got nowhere to go but to dive off this cliff. So he dives off the cliff and he grabs onto a vine midway down the cliff. Directly above him on that ledge is that tiger. To his dismay, at the bottom of the cliff is another tiger walking around waiting for him to drop off. Right above where his hands are clasped onto the vine are two mice, one black and one white. And they're gnawing on the vine. But directly in front of him is this earthen ledge. And on this earthen ledge is a plant. In the middle of the plant is a strawberry. He grasps on as tight as he can with his left hand. He takes his right hand. He reaches in for that strawberry, puts it in his mouth, and thinks to himself, how sweet it tastes. 
Now, what do those characters represent? The, char- the tiger above him is his past life. If you try to relive your past, you get eaten up by the past. You, we've all done some great things and we've made mistakes, and it's good to look at history and learn from that, but you can't relive it. You have to go on. You have to evolve and, and try to get better, okay? That tiger down below is your sure and ultimate death. No one goes, leaves the world alive. We're all going to go. The two mice on the vine is night and day, black and white, and they're gnawing through. When they gnaw through that vine, it's over, and that's it. But that ledge directly in front of him, that strawberry plant and that strawberry is the present moment. It's like right now we're sharing this moment uh, talking. Uh, there's nothing more important in this world right now than the present. And so what happens is I try to get my guys to put themselves in every moment and live in that moment and be the best you can in that moment. Whether we put 10 or 12 guys in an eight passenger uh, van and we have to drive uh, 12 hours to get to Pennsylvania, we still, we got to enjoy it. We got to love the moment moments together the hard things and the things you know the the great things that happen when you win but there's times when you're going to lose it's just you you got to go on and get better what are you going to do how are you going to learn from this and that's basically what i did so to answer that i don't have any one particular thing i enjoyed it all and i loved i didn't i really you know it didn't matter to me who was on scholarship or not it didn't matter to me who were starters or not Every kid was important, you know, so it just, it meant a great deal to me to be, to be their coach and and be able to say that I was their coach. So coach appreciate it as always. And, uh, hopefully we get a chance to, to catch up and, and do this again sometime, but, uh, congratulations on a, uh, on a tremendous honor. Yeah. Thank you very much. It is an honor. I'm humbled by this. Thanks to Coach Reeve for giving us uh, some of uh, some of his time this week and, and a chance to talk about uh, the sport of wrestling and, and what it meant to him. John Feldhacker was a wrestler for the Mox from 1982 to 1985. He was a three-time uh, NCAA qualifier, won uh, individual Southern Conference title at 150 pounds in both 82, 84, and 85. I said, John, what happened in 83? He'll tell you about that one uh, as well. John Feldhacker, he joins us now on Mox on the Mic. Well, first off, John, congratulations, man. It's uh, That's quite a great honor. Well, thank you very much. It's, um, it is it is an honor. It's kind of humbling. Tell us a little bit about who all is, uh, is going to be at the ceremony with you. Well, it's going to be a, actually a, a close group. I come from a big family. I have three sisters. So all of my sisters are showing up for this and I have four children myself and all of them are making it in. So it's going to be a, a family reunion, which is kind of exciting. And it's one of the rare times we all get together in one place. So we're looking for a family picture while we're there. You know, I wanted to get your thoughts on this because I have long said there is not another alumni group of former athletes with a stronger bond than the guys that have come through that wrestling program. I mean, you guys are as tight, I think, as any group of former athletes here there has ever been. Why is that? 
Um, yeah, I, I agree. It's 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 remarkable, really. I, I think it's the um, solidarity in the suffering. I mean, it's a tough sport. <laughs> it's a tough sport. And, you know, we've been through these different eras of coaches. Um, of course, I was Jim Morgan for four years. And then my fifth year was Ethan Reeves. So I went through that transition. But the groups under Jim Morgan in the early years were very, very close. You know, they had a, it was more than, you know, very close team, close relationships, um, did a lot together. And the teams under Ethan, you know, for that five years were extremely co- close. Ethan was so intense and created, you know, just a team full of, of animals. <laughs> um, so it's this, there is an element of the, the camaraderie in the sport that is, is unique. What'd you learn wrestling under Jim Morgan, a guy that I know is, was so highly thought of by so many in this community, not just for what he did at UTC, but his contributions to wrestling in particular. Well, yeah, coach Morgan is, you know, one of the most important people in my life. He, I ran into him at a tournament in high school and we met and we talked, you know, and I, I was traveling around a lot because South Carolina wasn't a super strong wrestling state. And I loved wrestling. I enjoyed it. And I ran into Coach Morgan. We, he started communicating. He wrote a lot of letters every time they traveled. You know, and I he, he, I was committed to go to UTC, you know, a month after I met Coach Morgan my junior year in high school. And during my years with him, he was a um, you know, more than much more than a coach. You know, he was a friend. We talked strategy. We, um, you know, more of a father figure. I think the earlier years of his tenure at UTC, he was a big brother, you know, the wise big brother that his wrestlers looked up to. For me, the age gap was large enough that he was a father figure. Um, very close to my family. When I was going through scrapbooks of articles and and memorabilia from college, I found at least a dozen letters from Coach Morgan written to my parents when I was in college. You know, it was that kind of above and beyond relationship that that really set me up in life to make uh, make a, a plan for my life and set the goals and follow through. He was just a good mentor. What's your What's your story? How did you get to Chattanooga? Oh, that's a a good story. I was a Connecticut Yankee, Roman Catholic Connecticut Yankee, that moved to this very small, quaint little southern town, maybe three thousand people in South Carolina, and I was in the second grade, um, born in Iowa lived in Connecticut until second grade, moved to South Carolina. And I was very much an outsider. But what I ended up doing was stumbling into wrestling in the seventh grade where the what were the middle school PE director was the wrestling coach at the high school. So he would drive me from the middle school to the high school after school, and I cleaned the mats. I was the manager for two years. 
and it gave me something to do and learned enough about the sport being around it. I was able to wrestle, start for four years and did well in high school, but it, it gave me a purpose. You know, it gave me a, a group of, of friends and moved me from being an outsider to being welcomed and accepted. And I liked that. So I learned if I worked harder, I would do better and I would be more socially accepted. So I was coming at it as the outsider trying to be accepted. So I worked extremely hard to accomplish something in wrestling and it worked well. Um, and then it served me well because it was, you know, the, the team wasn't great in South Carolina, wasn't a great state. So I traveled all over the, um, yeah, I guess all over the country off season to wrestle freestyle tournaments and just to learn more about the sport. And the coach at my high school was a football coach. He was a wonderful human being. He just didn't know that much about wrestling when I started. He'd been doing it a few years, had a good team, but we, you know, compared to other states, it wasn't. But I would go in the summer, learn a lot and come back and teach it to the team. And, you know, he would pick up on it and um, we, we became pretty good. And after I left, he continued to build the program and, you know, won a number of state championships but it was even after I'd won the state my senior year, I was, you know, undefeated, set a state record for wins. I had like 31 and 0, 28 pins. So I really dominated. I knew South Carolina wasn't a very good state. So I, you know, sought out more competition and I would lose everywhere else. So I, I, I never felt like I was qualified to wrestle in college. So Coach Morgan welcomed me to UTC, and I gave it a shot. Um, and the 81-82 year was a coming out year for me. I worked out for a year, went through Bob Meyer's strength program that completely changed who I was. It took me from being this skinny little um, boy to a skinny, strong man never looked strong. I was tall and skinny, but his program was, was just incredible. So it was really the, the, the coach Morgan influence that got me to UT Chattanooga. You were a three-time qualifier for the, uh, for the NCAA tournament. What was that experience like? We, I see it now on television and it's this grand spectacle of an event. And I think it's really cool for our guys that get a chance to go compete in that. What was it like for you the three times you went? It was overwhelming. My my first year, 82, I qualified and really was a was a very emotional win. It was I was losing by I don't know six or seven points going into the third period. And I rallied back to tie the match 10-10, pin the guy in overtime to qualify. And it had been such a good year, uh, which was a, unexpected, where I was like 28-5 and five or 29-5 and five going into the, the NCAA tournament. You know, it was a really good record. And I still had this very much a underdog self-image. I just still didn't view myself as being good enough to be in college, uh, to compete in college. 
so I went to the NCAA tournament that happened to be in Ames, Iowa, and that's where I was born. My dad's family was from there. So he was one of 12 children. His dad was one of 16 children in these huge farm families in the Midwest. So here I am as a um, redshirt freshman in the NCAA tournament wrestling in front of 14,000 people. And then I had my own cheering section. So it was just a, a lot, you know, for a you know a shy, introverted young college student. It was it was overwhelming. My first match, I was so um, excited and fired up to be in that environment. I went out and had a nine to one lead in the first period against a guy from University of Pittsburgh, and then he pinned me with two seconds left in the first period. So I lost oh. the very first match and it was, um, it was just, it was all such a blur, but I, you know, I made the headlines of the um, highlights of the first round of the tournament because I was winning nine to one when I got pinned. So it was, it was not, not good, but it's, it's, it's such a intense environment it's so fast paced. There's no time to, to, to wallow in a loss. Even it's, it's just so much action, so much to learn, so much talent, so much energy. You won individual titles at 150 pounds and 82, 84 and 85. So I got to ask John, what happened in 1983? <laughs> 83. I started the year out at 150, but Carrie Waller, who was uh, one of my closest friends on the team, regained eligibility second semester of 83, you know, spring of 83. And he was at 150. He had won two titles at that point. He was redshirted a year, and I won a title at 150. So he was a fifth-year senior at that point. So we agreed that he would go 50 and I would go 158. And, you know, and I did, and I still should have qualified. I'd beaten the guy I lost to two weeks before the Southern Conference tournament soundly. But in the finals, well, in the dual meet, we weighed in an hour before. I was a 150-pounder wrestling 158. He was a 167-pounder who cut down to 158. So when there was an hour between weigh-ins and match time, um, his weight and my weight were relatively close, but the Southern Conference that year we weighed in the night before, and by the time we wrestled in the finals, it was almost 24 hours later, and he'd gained 10 or 12 pounds. So it was this, you know, he was he was a he just seemed huge, um, but he beat me, you know, pretty. You know, it was never in question. I don't remember the score; it was a decision, but. Um, it was the year that we had like seven champions. So it was really difficult um, to go, but coach Morgan ended up buying me a plane ticket to be with the team as a workout partner and, and be there to cheer everybody on. So it was, you know, I still got to attend the tournament, and, um, which was good. Who was the big rival for UTC at that point in wrestling? It was for, during my era, it was at app state. Appalachian State was the, um, you know, first we won my freshman year. We won the Southern Conference Tournament by, by quite a bit. It was the fifth year in a row we won it. 
And I believe the next year App State won it. So they they had some some really good it was a it was a extremely um positive symbiotic relationship between App State and UTC because during that era we were going back and forth, extremely competitive, extremely emotional, but both teams seemed to get better because of the other team. So it was a um it was healthy. I'm still friends with Paul Mance, who was the head coach at that point. He sent me a nice um, congratulatory note when he found out I was being inducted into the Hall of Fame. What do you remember most when you think about uh, think back on on your time as a wrestler at at Chattanooga? What what stands out the most to you? What sticks out in your mind? I think it was the my teammates. You know, it's the you become such an intimate relationship with your workout partners. And that first year, my red shirt freshman year, the year that I, that I really, my coming out year was everything was new. Everything was exciting. Um, memories of that year. We had Kerry Waller and David Strickland, Greg Raber as workout partners. And um, then the next year was, Randall Wilder, Ricky Talley, Greg Hinkle, Billy Moss, Kenny Hill, at least for a year. Um, Steve Logston, Bradley's Bradley County, great, who coached there for years. Uh, Dan Matlack. I mean, it just it was the 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 team was such a cohesive unit. Um, very diverse team, different backgrounds, but we had a actually we had the most dual meet wins ever for a UTC team that year. I think we were 22 and four in dual meets. And then we won the fifth straight Southern conference title. And we won the SEIWA tournament, the Southeastern Intercollegiate Wrestling Association when the um, SEC still had a number of teams. So it was a, that was just a really good year for us. Remember even Pat Murphy was emotional about winning the 22nd dual meet, you know, set a new record. And Pat was pretty stoic. <laughs> he just got his job done. But that year is, you know, that year looking back on it was my favorite year. I beat a bunch of really good people that year. Um, the finals of the SCIWA, I beat the NCAA Division II national champion, uh, like 12 to 6 or something. So it was, to me, that's the year I started building confidence that I was capable to be competitive in college. What have you been up to since UTC? Uh, it's a, a lot of different things. <laughs> I graduated. I coached at Baylor with Jim Morgan for two years and really enjoyed that. Um, it was you know great being around him for extra time. Ended up getting married. I named my first daughter Holly Morgan Feldhacker in honor of Coach Morgan. Um, I got to sp speak at Coach Morgan's funeral, which was which is very meaningful. Um, I ended up getting into sales for you know a few years. Moved to Memphis from Chattanooga. Opened an office. Ended up running the Southeast as a regional sales manager. Did that for 10 years, 
that company was acquired by a competitor and they politely asked me to go play somewhere else. So I started a business um, with a, another person who was let go during that time, um, a great business partner. And we grew the business. It was kind of a technology company. It was forms automation, workflow automation, and grew that for a few years, maybe seven or eight years, and sold it in 2001 and stayed for a year and then enrolled at Vanderbilt Divinity School. And I ended up going through Divinity School really more because I was growing theologically. I looked at law school and business school, and I really couldn't get excited about that because I'd been in business by this point uh, almost 20 years. And I wasn't, I couldn't, I couldn't get passionate about law or business. So I went to divinity school with no intentions of ever being in congregational ministry, but after four years there, I ended up going to a United Methodist Church in Nashville. I worked at West End United Methodist Church as an associate pastor for 10 years, and I've been senior pastor at a inner city church, um, Edge Hill United Methodist Church, for the last six years. We serve 400 low-income families right in one block from the church, and it's been a, it's been a wonderful experience for me. You ever get that itch to um, maybe not necessarily grapple anymore, but uh, you, you ever miss those days of, of being able to teach it and coach it? I do. I do. I coached at Brentwood Middle School um, when my sons were there, and my youngest son uh, it did did well. He won the state at 195 in 2020 at, for Brentwood High School. He's um, big, 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 tall built exactly like I was, but about four or five inches taller, <laughs> tall and skinny, but he's, he's doing well. He lives in Chattanooga now. He's um, he took a gap year because of the pandemic and his gap years turned into a gap um, quadrennial at this point. So he's, he's, he's working. He traveled to Europe. He's been all over the country. He sailed um, hitchhiked on a sailboat as a crew member through the Caribbean He's been um, literally backpacking and taking the Euro rail around Europe for three months. He's growing and maturing and he's um, getting quite an education. John, appreciate it. Yep. It's been fun to visit with you. And uh, once again, congratulations. And we, we look forward to seeing you back here in Chattanooga. Thank you so much, Chris. Thanks to John for his time this week. Also, again, uh, special thanks to Coach Reeve for giving us some time as well. Thanks to you for your time this week also, and a happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. Certainly glad uh, you could be with us here on Mox on the Mic. Don't forget, we come to you each and every week, normally on a Thursday with a brand new episode, talking with current Mox, talking with coaches, talking with former Mox like what we did today. And again, uh, here over the next couple of months, you're going to hear from everybody in this Hall of Fame class this year for Chattanooga. So excited about that and always excited to be with you on Mox on the Mic. For our producer, Tate Johnson, this has been Mox on the Mic. Until then, have a great Thanksgiving and go Mox. Thanks for listening to Mox on the Mic. Please remember to rate, subscribe, and review. 
and we'll see you again soon.